Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. online the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action but online has you covered for all the news scores and odds is the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online your online sports book experts all right, folks, this is uh, Jeremy Evans, your host of the Believe in Sports Law podcast via the Believe Podcast Network. This is episode 21 of season three, and uh, we are talking about the media marketplace, specifically the scale and content of entertainment media and sports properties, and particularly how they're looking to grow through scale and content. And we've got Basically about, uh, I would say, five different examples we want to go through um, with individual sort of topics in each of those. But I think the first thing we really want to look at is uh, there was an article recently that came out uh, with Front Office Sports talking about Facebook's sort of reimagined sports strategy. And if you recall, Facebook initially had gotten into this idea of they wanted to purchase you know broadcast rights for sports leagues with large audiences like uh, La Liga, which is the Spanish uh, soccer league or major league baseball. You might remember that there was some, you know, exclusive Facebook games that you could watch on Facebook for major league baseball. Facebook has really kind of moved away from that in the sense that initially, I think the, uh, the sort of marketplace, uh, the experts thought that maybe this might be a situation where Facebook is getting in to eventually scale up and buy more sports sports rights and be involved in that way. But it's really taken the opposite approach to where they're really just doing a slice and dice approach where they're, they're coming in, they're saying, we want to sort of look at this particular property. We want to work with that property, but we want to do it on a smaller scale. So with major league baseball, maybe you're doing 10 or 20 games a year versus, you know, uh, each team plays 162 games. So you got to figure that, uh, that's just a, it's a smaller portion of that. So Facebook is really kind of making this move to uh, really do two things. One is to move towards a pay-per-view broadcasting platform uh, where you're looking at maybe high school, college, or smaller leagues to distribute uh, and profit from their content through advertising dollars, uh, through ads being sold. And then obviously Facebook would, uh, you know, purchase um, the copyrights to that, the IP to that then sell it and then turn around and pay uh, those, you know, sort of high school colleges or sports leagues. I could see overtime elite maybe getting involved in something like this, where uh, maybe even through Instagram, which is obviously owned by Facebook or Snapchat or um, TikTok or some of these other platforms where uh, if you can have long form content, uh, this would be a place to do that because you're going to meet that younger demographic, which is more likely to follow an overtime elite 
uh, which obviously includes uh, high school basketball players. I could also see this potentially being something, you know, social media being used in long form content for, let's say, uh, the G League, you know, the Gatorade League with regard to sort of minor league basketball or even minor league baseball, you know, looking for places where the content is not as expensive. And, you know, if you're looking at Facebook as a, you know, content distributor, you know, they're really not built as a platform to host uh, sort of, let's say, uh, 162 games in Major League Baseball or the sort of, you know, 17 game NFL season, right? It's going to be a situation where you're going to have to uh, sort of look for sort of this slice and dice approach of getting in there, maybe purchasing less games, uh, but maybe more impactful games, or just having another place to view content. Uh, and obviously money is an issue here too, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, purchasing live sports rights is one of the most expensive properties to purchase. And so Facebook, even though as a, you know, multi-billion dollar company, they probably, you know, not being in that space already and having a tough time scaling that and, you know, having a consistent distribution process is probably not going to spend that much money. So again, it's going to be more of the slice and dice approach. The other part of this is that it's hard to compete in the big broadcast space. And uh, this is evident in the fact of AT&T selling Warner Media to Discovery. You know, they paid $85 billion for that uh, for Warner Media and the accompanying properties, and now they're selling it off to another distributor, albeit a smaller one. And uh, so, again, I think now that's obviously an entertainment example, but there's a lot of Turner Sports, everything else involved in that. So, it's it's going to be interesting how this plays out. And then, of course, as another example, you look at Amazon looking to purchase MGM, and this is all about scale and content. You know, Amazon needs content. Uh, they can't, they literally cannot produce as many films and television shows as, as their viewers require. And when you've got 150 to 200 million uh, subscribers on there, uh, and I think 175 million of those 200 million subscribers are actually using Prime Video, uh, was reported in an article recently, you know, Amazon needs content. And if MGM is for sale, it's a well-known studio with iconic properties like James Bond. And, you know, that, that deal is looking at about probably $9 billion. Again, scale and content, right? You know, Facebook's looking for content, but they don't want to buy the sort of uh, the big properties, the big four, big five sports in terms of the NFL or NHL or uh, MLB or NBA or even MLS, but they might buy little pieces of it, you know, a couple games here and there and look to maybe even maybe have maybe exclusivity when it comes to smaller sports up-and-coming sports, high school sports, uh, particularly maybe an overtime elite or um, even better fit might be an Instagram or something like that, just because the, the demographic for overtime elite is going to be younger and Facebook is generally seen as a, an older platform, not necessarily catering to uh, the younger generation. So again, two examples there right off the bat with regard to Facebook looking for content, going to sort of smaller and more niche sports uh, looking for ways to break into the space, but not necessarily, uh, you know, spend a ton of money, but having some exclusivity. And then you look at Amazon and MGM. Again, Amazon's a streamer. They're looking for content. It's also why they, Amazon is not just looking at MGM as a purchase, but also with Thursday night football. And it's no surprise that they actually moved that deal up one year 
because the reality of it is, is they're seeing that the fans enjoy watching it on Amazon. It's easy to access. Uh, there's often times where I'm, you know, after a day's work, sitting on the couch and I'm, you know, want to watch some sort of entertainment through, you know, Amazon or uh, Hulu or, um, you know, Apple Plus or what have you. And you're sitting there and then all of a sudden you pull up Amazon Prime and there's a big screen that says, you know, Thursday Night Football. Sometimes you almost forget and you're like, oh, wow, I can watch a game. So that's going to be something going forward with that. So I think, you know, when we're kind of looking at what's next, right, there's this great article in Variety um, and also in uh, Hollywood Reporter who was talking about sort of what happens now. So let's say MGM goes to Amazon. What happens with Lionsgate and AMC? Well, of course, uh, this is all within the context of the fact that Warner Media is now going to be a part of Discovery. So how do these other companies compete, right? Well, I think when you're looking at that, you can go, okay, well, Lionsgate is not as a big of a property as, a, as an MGM. An MGM is probably one of the bigger studios, whereas Lionsgate is probably a mid-major. Or you even look at AMC. Um, these are both, I think, interesting properties for companies like maybe NBC Universal and Comcast, where, you know, maybe do you have NBC Universal break off from Comcast? Uh, similar cable company situation to AT&T and sell NBC Universal to um, or, or have NBC Universal sort of partner up with Lionsgate or the AMC or both. I think those things might make a lot of sense, especially when you're talking about scale and content. You know, you want to be able to reach more customers, more consumers. Uh, and the reality of it is, is that Lionsgate is not in a position to create its own streamer. Maybe there was some thought process to Sony because the current CEO, John Feltheimer, is a former CEO at uh, Sony, and maybe there might be something there. But, of course, Sony just sold most of its properties, um, you know, its intellectual property library to um, uh, eventually to Netflix. And so I think initially it's going to go on Disney Plus, and then it's going to be Netflix. So it's it, it's an interesting proposition, and, and I think it's something that we're very likely to see in terms of a lot more consolidation and, and uh, I think maybe some of these bigger cable companies uh, bit off a lot and now they're looking at, okay, well, how can we spin this off for a profit or at least to break even or to get out of that space? Again, it's very difficult to break into that space. And, you know, we're essentially going to have five to six, maybe major streamers when it comes down to it. You know, your Netflix is your Amazon prime uh, Hulu, um, which is obviously owned by Disney um, you know, Discovery Plus, which is now going to have Warner Media, and they're still going to have HBO Max. So, uh, and there's you know, basically a few other platforms, maybe Apple, that sort of thing. Uh, but uh, you know, again, I think it's a very highly likely possibility. Now, earlier we talked about in the podcast, we talked about Facebook really getting into some of these smaller sports or uh, broadcasting some of these smaller events that are not as expensive as the big four or five. Uh, professional sports um, and and maybe too expensive to also maybe start streaming like, you know, movies, exclusive movies, but it's something to think about, maybe even an exclusive television show or, you know, something like that. As long as the price was not too expensive, I could definitely see like Facebook originals, you know, uh, sort of reality TV stuff go on, but, you know, who knows, we'll see. But I think in terms of emerging sports and businesses, you look at Equinox, the um, 
be a sort of health and fitness gym, right? And they've really taken this sort of hybrid or, or tribrid approach, I guess, where you've got indoor events, virtual events, and outdoor events. And it's I bring this up because it's really created uh, this sort of shift because of the pandemic where you're trying to offer more to many people and or more to more people. And you're looking for ways to reach consumers. And again, it's about reaching the consumer where they're at. And if they want to be comfortable at home, they want to be comfortable doing it virtually or in the gym or outside, offer those opportunities. And I think a lot of these streamers are looking for that uh, as well. And then, of course, uh, we have this new motorsports um, uh, they're called the Nitro Rallycross, which is uh, arguably there's a great article in front office sports talking about how it's built for social media. Um, to where the tracks are, you know, jumping over things and you can really get some great clips out of that. You can get some great NFTs out of that. But uh, there is some really cool things when it comes to custom built courses. Uh, you even look at Formula One trying to build an established space in the United States, which I've always thought, well, if you had a race here, you could create more, um, you know, more buzz and more American fans by having a race in America versus having all your races overseas, Right. I've often thought that there are so many places in this country uh, with the highways and some of the beautiful uh, sceneries and, um, you know, landscapes that we have here. Uh, and often people travel overseas and, you know, America is a beautiful place to visit in itself. And often thought, well, if you had beautiful courses here in the United States, people would, would pay attention. You know, I mean, golf's the same way. You got these beautiful courses here in the States and, and people pay attention. You know, so I think, you know, having some sort of home base might be helpful, but this new Nitro Rally Cross, I think is going to be something special uh, where you have a lot of courses here in the States and um, initial races actually in Utah, which I think is a fantastic place when you're talking about landscapes and um, sort of scenic views. So, uh, and you're going to have uh, a lot of different broadcast partners. They're talking about obviously your traditional Peacock, which is through, you know, NBC Universal, uh, Tencent, which is a Chinese company, Thrill Media. I mean, there's just going to be a lot of places to reach this stuff, and um, we're going to bring it. Bring, bring, it's going to be bringing a lot of brands uh, into the space. So, again, when you're talking about up and coming, um, you know, brands and products, I think the rally racing, electric vehicles. Um, you know, looking at all this sort of the EV stuff with regard to Formula One and. Formula E and uh, NASCAR even getting into electric vehicles. Uh, this is these are going to be some really cool things when it comes to up and coming properties and 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 ways to engage. I also think uh, this idea of packing venues with events to make it to make up for lost revenue during the pandemic is going to be a huge thing. Uh, there was a a great article via Sportico talking about this, and the reality of it is is that venues should have been doing this anyway. You know, this is kind of like outdoor dining in California or in any other place with mild weather or even in the summertime or what have you. You know, it's like people were looking at outdoor dining and, you know, it's like, well, why weren't we doing this years ago? The, the reality of it is, is venues should have been packing, um, you know, events inside inside their venues a long time ago. And I think maybe there might be a pent-up desire now, um, you know, sort of things being shut down for so long. But uh, again, I think this is another sort of emerging area that we're going to see uh, some really cool things. I mean, I remember it was a few years ago I saw the Padres put on a, uh, a golfing event, a mini golf event inside of uh, their ballpark. 
you know, so thinking of things like that, you know, or a golfing event inside the Rose Bowl, I think these are uh, some really cool things that are uh, possibly on the horizon. I think uh, in sort of closing two trends in the big five sports leagues that we can really look forward to, I think expansion. Uh, expansion has been a constant thing when you're talking about uh, bringing an influx of money in, when you're talking about the importance of bringing money into the door, but through investments, especially where you have a lot of lost revenues over the past year and a half, anytime you can have a 2.2 to $2.5 billion fee just to uh, get the franchise, not to mention all the other costs, and expenses, I think that it presents an opportunity um, where um, you know you can have that influx of cash, but also influx into a new market. There's talk about Seattle and Las Vegas for a new NBA franchise, with Seattle sort of having the um, you know potential lead. But then again, Vegas could be there too. They have a lot of venues and a lot of people there that are interested in sports. They've got some minor league stuff there happening as well. Um, obviously Seattle supersonics or the Las Vegas lights or whatever, you know, sort of name they came up with. But, and I think obviously look at baseball, you see, you know, Montreal, you look at Las Vegas with potentially with Oakland A's or uh, with Tampa Bay Rays, maybe moving to Montreal. And there was some talk about maybe them splitting the season between Montreal and Tampa Bay, but there's a lot of opportunities for expansion. I think leagues will be looking at this for both investment purposes, but also in terms of scale, right? scaling to new cities, bringing in new revenues, bringing in new fans. And I think sort of lastly, you're looking at, you know, a move to live streaming for sports. This is something that has taken longer than I think maybe a lot of sports fans and um, uh, sort of owners would have liked, but it's starting to happen now with Amazon and other companies really moving a lot of their properties to streamers. And this is, you know, pretty straightforward when you have NBC, you know, using Peacock or, um, other platforms to distribute sports content. If they have the streamer there, might as well use it. And it's mostly just about having the technology to get it done uh, and making sure that you secure the rights for that or allow the rights for that. So uh, we really have this interesting media landscape uh, when it comes our media marketplace, when it comes to scaling content. And, um, and we'll sort of see how this all plays out. But I think we have some very, very interesting uh, things on the horizon with Facebook getting into niche sports and Amazon and MDM potentially teaming up and NBC Universal maybe teaming up with Lionsgate or a AMC uh, and using Peacock Plus as a streamer. Um, you know, these are all just potential scenarios when you're looking at uh, rally racing and uh, packing venues, um, sort of getting people, you know, back into attending live sports or at least having options to attend live or, uh, or virtually or digitally or what have you. And then of course, uh, you know, looking at the expansion of leagues uh, and uh, for the influx of cash, but also to open new markets for, for the content and scaling purposes. And then again, lastly, looking at the move to um, sort of streaming live sports and how that's being, becoming more and more of a, uh, a thing now when it comes to availability and opportunity. So again, folks, really appreciate you listening in. Um, this has been uh, a, a great podcast to be with you. Always appreciate you listening in. Uh, my name is Jeremy Evans. I'm the host of the Believe in Sports Law podcast via the Believe Podcast Network. Look forward to being back with you next week. Thank you so much.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.